everybody. This is the Why I Help podcast, and today's episode is the very first episode. We, meaning my husband, the producer, and myself, believe most people are good and that they are trying to live a peaceful and secure life, and most people tend to want to help others. It's really only a small minority, a very small percentage that makes trouble. And unfortunately, it's that small percentage that garners all the regular media channels. So we are going to offer a platform for people who are helping others. And there are a much higher percentage of people out there helping and doing good things than there are people doing bad things. So this is the Why I Help podcast. We are going to be interviewing CEOs and heads of organizations, and we will get their story as to why they started their company or their activity and what it is that motivates them on a daily basis to help others. So today we have an interview with a gentleman named Sim Shane, and Sim is the CEO of Paraflight emergency medical services. He's a national registered paramedic who started his EMS career in March of 1993. And he has a very interesting activity that he does to help others. And I don't really want to tell you any more about it. So without further ado, let's talk to Sim Shane. Sim Shane. I'm super excited to hear your story. You are on our inaugural podcast, and that's super exciting. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Very cool. So give give our, our listeners um, some idea of your background, where you grew up, what your interests were, and that'll kind of help segue into what you're doing now. Absolutely. So I grew up in a what was then a small town, and now it's become a city. It's a town called Lakewood, New Jersey. It's in, uh, it depends who you ask, but it's either in central or in South Jersey, but it's right near the Jersey shore. So that's where I grew up. I went to school here through elementary school. Uh, once I went into high school, I went out of state to Ohio. And then after that, I went to uh, rabbinical uh, college in, uh, in Colorado and Denver. Um, I got into the field of EMS, as I believe, from a very young age. My dad became an EMT when I was seven years old and responded for the, to the, with the local first aid squad. And then there was a special squad that opened up after that, a community-based first aid squad. Sim, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt you because I want to understand you went to rabbinical school. Was that because you had intentions to be a rabbi? No, I actually never did. Oh. But because I'm an I'm Orthodox Jew, um, what we went to is called a yeshiva, which is a rabbinical school. So I went there. It has both rabbinical and a secular education. So I went to high school. And then afterwards, I went to a Talmudic law college um, at post high school. And that's where I uh, ended up. Okay. Sorry to interrupt you, but I I just had to I wasn't sure about that. Okay, so you were talking about how you became um, involved in EMS. Right. So my dad was an EMT when I was seven years old, 1979, 1980. And he stayed with that, that squad for a bit. And I used to watch as he would leave our home and leave his business and really leave everything. When it came time to save a life, nothing else mattered but doing what he could to save a life. And I said, at that point, that's what I want to do when I grow up. Wow. That's, that's huge. I like that. 
do you know i i we're, this is all about help and how much more can you help somebody than to save a life okay go, right. go ahead so <laughs> so then in uh so then we you know life moves forward and in 1993 i decided now is the time now is the time that i want to go into that field of ems that i've been dreaming of since i was seven years old and i picked up the phone there were no smartphones then I picked up the phone and I called information for two local first aid squads in the area. And I said, whoever calls it, (laughs) right. There was no Google. And I said, whoever calls me back first, that's where I'm going to go. And I, and this place called Howell first aid squad, where I started my career, it's a town next to me. So I live in a town called Lakewood. Uh, I left a message on the voicemail and a friend of mine who became a friend of mine, Dave DiMatteo called me about 10 minutes after that and said, when can you come down for your interview? So I said, well, that depends on how far away your organization is from where I live. He said, it's about seven minutes. I said, I'll be there in 10. So 10 minutes later, I'm sitting for my interview. 10 minutes after that, they accepted me. The next day, I applied to the EMT course. And in May of 1993, I became an EMT. So I stayed with that squad. I was a life member in Howell First Aid. And then uh, in 1996, I joined what's called Hatsola, Hatsola Emergency Medical Services. Hatsola is probably the largest volunteer organiza- volunteer EMS organization in the world at this point. It started in New York City in 1967. It started in my town in 1981. My dad was one of the founding members. And I got to join there in 1996. Uh, I'm still an active member to this day. And I became a paramedic, uh, started my course in 2005. I graduated in 2007. And we started our own paramedic program in 2008, still the, the only volunteer paramedic program in the state of New Jersey. And then, uh, of course, I got to meet some very special people in my life. And that's where, that's where my career, what we call a career, although most of it is charity, took a very, very interesting turn. As you know, so, shortly after, yeah, sure. Sorry, sorry to interrupt again, but what's the difference between an EMS and, uh, or an EMT and paramedic? What's the difference there? Or is there one? Well, probably a couple thousand hours of training. So oh. the typical, the EMT is about 100. When I started, it was probably about 120 hours. Now it might be up to 160 hours. Uh, once you graduate, once you take the EMT class, so the class itself is about, and training was about 18 months or so. I know classroom went for about six or seven months. And then afterwards, you have to do a minimum of 700 hours of rotations, both on, on paramedic trucks and in hospitals. It's extensive training that allows us to basically bring the emergency room to the patient. Right. So you don't do like full on doctor training. Well, correct. We don't do doctor training, but we are the we are the pre-hospital providers that stabilize and treat those patients until we can bring them to the emergency room. A lot of what we do actually is under doctor's orders. So once we start stabilizing and treating a patient, we will call the physicians for further, you know, further medical control and double transfer to the appropriate medical facility. That's what I do primarily in a volunteer in a volunteer uh, capacity. Okay. And so then you do way more training and then you become an actual paramedic. Correct. So in okay. 2000 and 2003, uh, we had the unfortunate incident of having a gentleman who, who passed away. He literally passed away in our arms. He was in what was called congestive heart failure and Paramedics weren't available. There was only X number of paramedics to cover a system. And it was really sad. He literally passed away. He went into respiratory arrest, followed by cardiac arrest, and he passed away. And at that point, we said, we're going to do 
whatever we can to open our own paramedic program to make sure that everybody who needs advanced life support is going to be able to get it. And I, we started our course in 2005 and I became, I graduated and certified in 2007. Wow. That's sad. I would, that would be horrible to experience something like that, but you, you turned it into something phenomenal. Okay. So go on with your story. I'll be quiet now. Okay. Excellent. So in 2001, everybody remembers September 11th, the day that, the day that changed the world. You know, I uh, I lived in New Jersey and uh, I actually went to uh, to Ground Zero. I came there a bit later on in the day. You know, we lived in uh, in central New Jersey. Our squad had three ambulances at that point, and we called up the New York division of Hatsola, which which is the Hebrew word for the word re- for the term rescue. And we called them up, and we understood that all their ambulances from all five boroughs in New York City were heading into to Ground Zero. And we said, what could we do to help? And they said, we need ambulances to cover the territories that are being shortchanged because all the ambulances are going into the city. So we sent two ambulances into Brooklyn, one to cover the Borough Park section, one to cover Flatbush. And I myself went in as well. And I being who was a member of the Flatbush Hatsola division as well at that point, jumped onto a Flatbush Hatsola ambulance and I made my way into, into ground zero. Now I spent only about maybe 12 hours there. Most of the work we were doing were just treating treating police officers and other personnel who, who got injured or who had uh, inhaled a lot of the uh, a, a lot of the um, a lot of what was floating around ground zero and um, and then Which was basically everything because everything was pulverized right. it, to it, a particle was, small enough that you could right. breathe. So yeah. Correct. And it, well you really couldn't breathe. It was very, very difficult. Even when we got there, I must have shown up three hours after the tower collapsed, and I can still remember vividly how gray and how dark it was then. It, it's impossible. It's impossible to describe, and I assure you that pictures don't do it justice. Yeah. But what happened was, soon after that, um, there was a friend, a, a gentleman who ended up becoming one of my closest friends, and his name was Steve, and Steve Zakheim, uh, who owned that, at some point, the largest ambulance company in, uh, in New York State. And he, he created a team of people because the world was in was in chaos. Nobody yeah. really knew what was going on, and and Israel was at war, and there was so many things going on. And Steve, Steve created a team of EMTs and paramedics who would who would travel and train in Israel with the Israeli Red Cross. That in the event that they went to war, see so if if Israel went to war, then all of their personnel, all of their paramedics and EMTs are now going to the front lines. Who's going to man? Who's going to man all those EMS stations? So he trained us. I was on the first group of 20 that went out there. And and we went out and we were there for about two weeks or so. We trained with them. We worked with them. We worked on shifts with them. It was really something incredible. And that's how I got to know my mentor, my mentor, um, my leader, a gentleman named Steve Zakheim. So as I mentioned before, Steve Zakheim owned at that point, the largest ambulance company in New York State. And Steve, unfortunately, lost 14 of his personnel at Ground Zero that day. Mm. And he spent he spent the better part of 30 days sitting at Ground Zero, you know, helping and, and sifting through the rubble and all. And unfortunately, unfortunately, in 2012, he developed, he got leukemia secondary to his exposure. But what he had done in the years between 2001 and 2012 is he had introduced me 
to many, many different charity opportunities is what we call them. Steve was a philanthropist. He owned his own private jet. He had actually outfitted it, believe it or not, with a stretcher and with oxygen. And he would send as a private air ambulance, but it was his own. And he would send me and other paramedics all over the country and sometimes all over the world with patients, taking them to specialty doctors, taking them to specialty hospitals, taking kids on special trips. We've gone to the Bahamas. We've gone to South Africa. We went to Israel. Kids who just wanted to do something absolutely amazing, you know, sometimes before they passed away. We actually, uh, you know, I'll just digress for a moment. We actually, okay. in, uh, we actually took a, a very special girl um, who, was, who was terminally ill, and the doctors gave her between two days and two weeks to live. And Steve went over to her, and her name was Nechama. And I'll get back to you in a moment why her name was so important. Nechama in Hebrew means the comfort. That was her name. Mm-hmm. And Steve asked her and said, what would you like to do? Tell me anything you want to do, and I'm going to make it happen. And she said, I want to swim with the dolphins. So Steve, Steve had a Lear 31, which is a smaller jet, but we needed a bigger one to take a whole team and all her friends. So he puts together an entire team. He does this in a span of maybe three or four hours. He calls me up and says, what are you doing now? And I say, nothing. He said, great, grab your passport and start heading to Brooklyn. And that's what I did. We came into Brooklyn and we picked up this girl and her friends and we got onto a, a, a Gulfstream 4, a G4, and we went to the Atlantis in the Bahamas. And she went swimming with the dolphins and unfortunately she passed away two hours after we came home and we all attended her funeral the next morning but what he did for her was was immeasurable you know and i can tell you that it was so immeasurable that i challenge you and any of your listeners (laughs) to go to the atlantis and the bahamas because she made such an unbelievable impression on them in the 24 hours that she was there that when a little baby dolphin was born, they named her Nechama. Oh. And if you go, if you go to the Atlantis, you make sure to ask them to show you Nechama the dolphin, because that's oh. how special that was. So in 2012, Steve sends me an email stating that he had gone to get his Lipitor levels checked, and they saw some elevations in his, in his blood work. That they sent him for testing, and he developed leukemia. And Steve spent that year in the hospital and he passed away, unfortunately, in October of 2013. But he called me and before he passed away, and I remember he was sitting on his bed in the hospital in Sloan Kettering in New York City. And Steve said, I want you to take my jet and I want you to open up a business. You love what you do. I want you to open up an air ambulance business and I want you to change the world. But never, ever forget that charity component. And that's why to this day, at least 50% of what we do is charity. My accountant doesn't like when we say that. (laughs) He really doesn't. He said, you can't operate a business with 50% charity. But that's really what we do. We really try to save the world. We really try to make a difference. And then what happened was, it's interesting to note that Steve didn't actually die from cancer. Steve was cancer-free when he died. But the chemotherapy... It's so much destruction to his lungs that he just he just couldn't breathe. That's what he couldn't breathe. And he didn't even have time to make it onto the organ list. He didn't have time. And he had introduced me to another to another young boy whose name was Yochi, Yochi Ruby. Yochi was when I met him, he was probably 16 years old. I was uh, Steve had brought me into a 
to a medical camp. He had introduced me there as a paramedic to this day. I think I'm just doing my 11th year to a camp called Camp Simcha. Have you ever heard of that? Camp Simcha is a a special camp. It's a division of of an organization called High Lifeline. Uh, Camp Simcha is a camp for children with cancer and medical disabilities where they create four special trips every single summer um, for children, children who are suffering from disabilities, children who are suffering from cancer, and I volunteer there, and, and Steve had introduced me to there. And over there, we, I had met a very young, a very young and special man named Yochi. Yochi was 17 at that point, or 16 when I had met him. And as a youngster, when he was eight years old, he was diagnosed with interstitial liver and kidney disease. And he had gotten a liver and kidney transplant when he was eight or nine years old. And then wow. when he was about 17 years old, it hit again. And this time it hit him in his lungs and he developed interstitial lung disease, which is probably the equivalent of mesothelioma, which is the exposure one, one gets if they're exposed to asbestos. Right. And they only gave him 18 months to live, but Yochi was an absolute fighter and he was determined that he was going to try to get a lung somewhere. And unfortunately, every place that we went to would turn him down. And one of the challenges was that he was only about four, maybe four and a half feet tall at most. He was a very, very small he was small in, in, you know, he was small in size, but he was a giant, in, in, you know, he was a giant yeah. in stature. And he was truly an amazing guy. And I traveled with him, I believe, to 11 different transplant centers all over the country to try to get him listed. And, and every one of them turned them down, except for the last one that we got to, which was right here in, in New York City, a local hospital. And unfortunately, he didn't make it. He didn't make it for his transplant. He got listed. And he passed away just about a year and a half ago. But I made it my mission, both in, in Yochi's memory and in Steve Zakhan's memory, to, to do whatever I could to make a difference in people's lives and to do whatever I could to make sure that anybody who needs a lung or a heart or a liver or a kidney, that I would do whatever I could to help them get that. And that's why just about four years ago, we opened up an organ transplant division. So we figured if we could do air ambulance and we can do corporate charter, that we can really do organ transplants and we're going to be the absolute best at it. And I've gone down to procurements myself to see what we could do, where we can save them time or what we can do to make a difference. And I made that my mission to do whatever we could to change the world one organ at a time. Wow. Oh my goodness. I had no <laughs> idea. I mean, I looked on your website and I just, I, I had no idea that I, it's such an unbelievable story I'm, I'm so sorry about Stephen. I mean, it's just, it, and we know from other research that we've encountered that those who were around um, ground zero for lengthy periods of time, I mean, they have health issues. And so anyway, I'm just super sorry about that. Now you're involved in a lot of charities though. What are some other charities that you're involved in? So I'm actually involved in a place called the special children's center. Special children's center is a, uh, is a respite center for children who have uh, medical and uh, emotional disabilities. Um, it's run by a uh, very famous Jewish singer named Yaakov Shweki and his wife and her partner, Chaya Bender. And I've had the privilege to travel with them all over the world with uh, children and young adults with special needs, children on ventilators, children with Down syndrome, children with other medical cerebral palsy, medical disabilities, 
You know, we, we don't, as far as we know, the sky is absolutely not the limit. We'll really go everywhere. You know, we go to, we could do a trip to Israel every year. We actually just came back two weeks ago from Costa Rica. We took, uh, we took nine special needs uh, young adults to Costa Rica for five days. And we really go everywhere. You know, we go with them to their concerts. We go with them on special trips. We, we just do anything. And as I said, you know, we really try to do whatever we can to really make a difference, to make a difference in someone else's life. You know, the world that we're in, you know, it's, it's, it's short. We, don't, we have no idea how long we're going to live. You know, Steve lived until he was 59 and Yoki lived until, you know, a day before his 25th birthday. We don't know. We're, we're all standing online, you know, yeah. so we have a choice, right? We can make the best of what we have and we can really try to make a difference. That's what we really have to try to do. Because at the end of our days, right, at some point, we're all going to cash our chips in, right? Yep. And we don't get to take our jets with us. So we don't get to take houses and we don't take, take cars. You know, my grandfather used to always say, you can't even take a pair of socks with you. Can you imagine? <laughs> right? The only, thing, the only thing that we can take with us are our good deeds. That's all yep. we can take. I've never seen, I've never seen a tombstone that said that they owned a private jet. Or that he owned, uh, you know, 15 buildings in New York City, right? It's all about, yeah. you know, who they were and what kind of difference they made in our world. Wow. I think it's such a great message. I think that, um, you know, this is why we're doing this podcast, because I've never met you before. I've never heard your name before. <laughs> but OMG, with what you're doing to help other people. And you are making a huge difference in the lives of so many. And I can't, I can't thank you enough for doing that. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm in awe. I really am. Thank you. Thank you. I don't believe you me. I, I don't do anything too special. I, we just try to make a difference and we try to just, you know, make the best of the time that we're giving over here. Yep. But you do do a lot of things that are very special. And I know if I were to, contact some of those people you've helped they would they would definitely say you've done special things so if someone wanted needed maybe your services or just wanted to contact you what's the best way to find you so we're we're on the web we're all over social media we're on linkedin and on instagram and on facebook and, and our url is paraflight.aero p-a-r-a-f-l-i-g-h-t dot a-e-r-o we have a 24 hour dispatch center that they can always call us at 24 seven for anything from, you know, from, from air ambulance to organ transplant to corporate charter, anything that they need, they can always pick up the phone and we'll always, we'll always answer 24 seven, 365. I love that. I just love it. Sim, thank you so much for taking the time to tell your story today. I know you're super busy, but it is just so awe inspiring and I can't thank you enough. It was my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me today. And I wish you guys all an amazing, amazing week. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed our first podcast. I thought that story was quite amazing. We'll be back again with another interview of Why I Help.